2: This is Talk of the Devils, the athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United. I'm Ian Irving and with us today are Andy Mitten and Laurie Whitwell and, well, almost live from Abuja, we'll also be hearing from Carl Anker as well. We're sorry that this podcast is coming to you a little later in the week than normal but it's just down to our um, jet-setting lifestyles and us all chasing big names and big stories like we always do. That's not the truth. The truth's a little bit more boring, but we won't go into that. So good morning, Laurie. How are you? I'm good, Ian. How are you? You're looking very fresh and, and glowing, in fact. Thank you very much. It's very kind of you to say. I did just say good morning, though, and it's actually just gone 2pm in the afternoon, but we'll gloss <laughs> over that. Uh, good afternoon, Andy. Hi, Ian. You okay, mate? Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. Um, Usually, with the third podcast of an international break, it can be a little bit of a struggle to find things to talk about, but I tell you what, This podcast is the exact opposite. Lots to pack in, including the very latest on Manchester United's hunt for a new manager. The latest from Louis, no less. A stock check will finally be done on the attacking positions in the United squad, including some Harry Kane rumours. And we'll also hear from Carl, like we said, uh, who's in Africa at the minute, covering the World Cup playoffs over there. He's got some interesting stories from Speaking to Talk of the Devil listeners uh, in Africa which is brilliant and the first time that we've done that so we'll get to that later on but like I say the latest on Manchester United's hunt for a new manager first up and after Eric Ten Hag's interview for the manager's job at United there was a former Manchester United manager in Louis van Gaal doing his best to put him off never one to shirk an opinion old Louis um, what do you think Laurie?
3: Well it's Louis van Gaal all over isn't it that um, gets a question asked of him answers it as plainly as he sees it um, and listen it's consistent isn't it with what he was saying even when he was manager 2014 I think it was pre-season and he was complaining about the commercial activities at the club Uh, and then even after he got sacked you know he he came out quite strongly didn't he and talked about Ed Woodward and Matt Judge and how they didn't get in the players that he wanted Um, and listen you can look at it two ways Van Gaal you know failed as a manager in, in terms of producing entertaining football and and you know perhaps he is pointing fingers in other directions but I think there's certainly truths to what he says about how it is to be a manager at Manchester United particularly if your I guess your ethos is that you're a good coach you know that's that's what you pr- pride yourself on which is Eric Ten hag's I guess strength you know being on the training pitches with his players creating a team creating an environment having a kind of structure that he can fit into and work you know in close quarters with in terms of the recruitment. Um, Van Haal's obviously, you know, sending a shot across the bowels really there and saying to him, if you think you're going to get the players that you want, you know, uh, if you join the club, you know, you might have to have a, a second consideration on that. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's 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 fun and games, isn't it? When it's Manchester United searching for a manager and, you, and you're getting the old guy asked him what is it, what his opinion is. Yeah,
2: the, the one who was sacked. Um, yeah, it's always... <laughs> It's always going to, It was always going to be a circus and it's beginning to become a circus already in a sense, isn't it? Everyone wants their say on it and everyone's being asked about it. I must have counted probably about eight former players who all gave their choice and their opinion in the media this week, Andy. I wonder how much Van Hal's opinion, though, will hold sway in Holland and with someone like Ted Haag, of course, given Van Hal's history of Ajax as well.
4: I wish Louis Van Hal's United teams were as interesting as Louis Van Hall is. <laughs> <laughs> He was asked a straight question. He gave an answer. Uh, I like the honesty in his answers. He was complaining even before his Manchester United team had played their first pre-season game, complaining about the Los Angeles traffic. and quite right to do so. Manchester United booked a hotel two and a half hours away from the the training centre in Pasadena. Not that it was United's fault that there was a lot of traffic in Los Angeles, but he, he does have a point. But you can also push back from that and say, if Manchester United were not commercial, then they wouldn't be able to get the top managers. People like Louis van Gaal in the first place. So I don't think a lot of United fans have got a major problem with the commercialism of the club, more so with the results. If that money's squandered, if recruitment's poor like it has been, if there's not enough investment in the stadium like there hasn't been, and the issues which we've discussed in in great depth. So I'm not sure that uh, Eric Ten Hag will think, OK, I'm going to change my mind now. And Lou Van Hall did say he felt when he went to Manchester United he could sign any player. I think that was a bit naive of him to say that. Manchester United have never been top, top, top of the transfer tree. Real Madrid have always been a level above that and he'd managed at Barcelona so he knew what the status quo was. There's a little bit of bitterness in his words, but also some truth as well.
2: Yeah, David Moyes has been interviewed by Alan Shearer on The Athletic as well. There's detail in that about his, of course, failed tenure at Old Trafford as well. Uh, A very similar sort of take, really, from a lot of the ex-managers in this period to what Louis van Gaal had to say in that press conference. And I don't know about you, Laurie, but I go all warm and fuzzy when I hear from Louis van Gaal. I know he wasn't the most successful Manchester United manager, and I think my dad... So one goal scored at his end uh, at United um, in <laughs> wow. between something like the, the opening day of the season in February, I think. I think Kyle Walker scored an own goal in the opening day. Memphis Depay scored in September, and then Ander Herrera put us one up against Stoke in February, and that was about it at his end in terms of goal action. <laughs> but he was just a great character, wow. and, of course, he delivered the FA Cup. We had two fantastic days out at Wembley under him as well. Um, It wasn't all bad, was it?
3: When you were speaking there, Ian, yeah, you were making me think of a match that I attended when I was the Midlands correspondent at the Daily Mail and I got the the golden chance to do a Champions League match at Old Trafford and it was Man United v PSV and it was the most boring (laughs) nil-nil I've ever seen in my life. Um, But there was another occasion when I came into contact with Van Gaal, which was like an FA Cup game against Derby. I think it was an FA Cup game and it was around the time that it came out that Ed Woodward would buy him a bottle of red wine after beating a top six opposition. Oh, I remember this. My editor said, oh, can you ask him about you? the red wine? You know, if he's going to be able to pop one. And he, he came back and said, that's a stupid
2: question. <laughs> so I don't know if you've, I think you've got a story like that, have you Ian? I have to say, I think this press conference with Louis van Gaal, um, the story I'm about to tell is the only time that I've been completely stuck for words uh, after an answer has been given. <laughs> That is saying well, something. Well, a little bit, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think the question was actually directed at the player, which I think was one matter because it was a pre Europa League. It was Michelin in the Europa League, if I remember correctly. One matter and Lou van Halen sat next to each other on the top table. And I was trying to get one matter to answer the question, which was along the lines of matching the effort and desire was the word I used of the Michelin players who are coming to Old Trafford once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to knock United out of Europe. And, of course, for United, it's a a totally different situation. And even though I'd said one and directed the question looking at one matter, something about the word desire just sort of made Louis perk up, quite literally. Uh, And then he came out with a line that he wanted his players, and he said he often used this word. He wanted his players to be more horny in this second leg. (laughs) which the entire room giggled sort of looked towards me I didn't know I'd not said horny um but somehow I was sat in a room of journalists and a manager's telling me that his team needed to be more horny and I had no idea what to say and thankfully in a press conference rather than an interview you can just sort of like sulk down a little bit and wait for someone else to ask a question uh, I just remember looking at what matter and him sort of looking at me shaking his head as if to say yeah he, he, he does say that that's Louie Andy, I suppose.
4: He was good fun um, for journalists. The football wasn't fun. And he drove a lot of players mad. I know players who just came to the conclusion, I've got to get out of this club.
3: What do you guys think? Do you think that someone like Eric Ten Hag would actually ask Lou van Hal for advice or pick his brains? Because he sort of said... You know, He's not asked me for advice, so I've not told him, but if he does, I will tell him.
4: I think it's an indicator of how Manchester United dominate news headlines every single day. And if you're going to take this job, you're going to have people coming at your left, right, centre, from behind, from above, and you better get used to it. You're going to be hearing opinions from people who you respect, who you dislike, and they're going to have really strong opinions about you. And he'll get a little bit of that at Ajax, but if he was to go to Manchester United it's a completely different level because it's not just within a small country like Holland on a a national domestic level, it's international. And everything that the manager says is cross-examined and scrutinised and viewed in very different ways because the demographics of Manchester United's fan base are so vast and diverse. One person can say, a manager can say hello and that will cause offence in another part of the world. You've really got to be careful what you say. And Van Hall wasn't. We, We more might laugh at it and it was funny, but... I just think it'll give him an idea of uh, what could be coming if he was to become United manager.
2: Yeah, who knows? Fast forward to December Christmas 2023 and Ten Hag might just be saying to the room, enjoy the wine and the mince pie, goodbye, as he ends his (laughs) press conference in an angry mood after yet another defeat for Manchester United, who knows? But anyway, before we go any further, we need to say congratulations to a current Manchester United manager, Mark Skinner, after his side's... 3-1 victory in that historic occasion on Sunday at Old Trafford. Manchester United's women's side running out in front of fans for the very first time at Old Trafford and capping it off with a victory as well. Katie Zelland went from waving the Champions League banner in the centre circle to stroking home penalties at the Stretford end and Alicia Russo as well who grew up as a Manchester United fan watching Ronaldo, Rooney and Tevez win the double of the Premier League and the Champions League got a double of her own scoring two headers which any of those three to be fair would have been proud of as well it puts Manchester United in a great position heading into the final four matches of the season the most important takeaway of course from the weekend three points clear now in the final Champions League spot in third place City and Tottenham have got games in hand but United have got the points on the board so that was a crucial victory for them and a brilliant occasion as well a moment of history the biggest crowd of the WSL season 20,240 fans inside Old Trafford, and no doubt some of them inspired by what they saw, inspiring a new generation of girls to play football who never thought it would be possible to do that at Old Trafford. Of course, you can still subscribe to The Athletic for that deal of £1 a month for the first six months to get the best Manchester United writing, and indeed the best writing on the Women's Super League, as well as the season reaches its climax. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod. And you also, of course, get ad-free versions of all our podcasts, including Talk of the Devils. That's theathletic.com forward slash Pod. Sign up now.
0: This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
2: Time now then to pick up where we promised we'd pick up on the last podcast, but we didn't get around to it, so we're doing it today instead. So, yeah, everyone's happy about this. It's finally happening. Uh, We're going to finish our stock check of the squad. And, of course, we asked you guys as well to have your say on what you thought the biggest issues were for Manchester United and their team heading into the summer. So we'll get to those questions as well. But, Laurie, if we start off first with our own stock check of the attacking positions, I want to start with Anthony Alanga, if that's okay. He's been the wild card of this season in more ways than one. He's got to be there next year, hasn't he? He's a player that Manchester United should be looking to to sort of bring on even more as the season goes on and of course into next year as well. Absolutely, yeah. I
3: think obviously there should be some caution about relying on him as such. You know, he's a young player um, that's coming into a squad that's, you know, had its struggles, had its difficulties. There's been changes from the lineup from week to week. Um, but no doubt, I think he's someone that United should um, look after, cultivate, and he's clearly shown he's got the application, he's got the talent to perform on the biggest of stages. You know that that finish in Madrid was the finish of somebody who has confidence and has got ability um, and against you know a very good European side. So yeah, I think um, look after him. Uh, it's crazy, really, when you think about the the turnaround in his fortunes because he was. You know, on his way out, really, on, on a on loan before Ralph Renick sort of turned up. Um, and even last season, I think they would have liked to have seen a bit more of him in the first team, but he sort of fractured his collarbone and was out for quite a long time when he was just sort of knocking on the door, maybe, of training with the first team regularly and, and maybe getting a look in under Solskjaer. Um, but clearly, the way that things have gone with the front line, he is someone that you can see working for a Ten Hag style team or a Pochettino style team. You know, if if United do want to have that kind of high pressing uh intense style, then you know you could see how he would slot in. Um so yeah, I think he's been the kind of bright spot
2: really in this second half of the season. Can you say the same about Marcus Rashford, Andy?
4: No, no you can't at all. He's not had a good season. Anthony's had a, a breakthrough season. Laurie's words don't rely on him. I think that's entirely true. He's still got a lot to learn. I don't have any of the red flags that I was hearing when Adnan Janazai came through into the first team, for example, and he was really, to excuse my French, pissing off other first-team players who who were also in a state of flux themselves because they were playing in a a failing team and uh, blame was being thrown out left, right and centre. I only hear good things about Anthony as a person, uh, about his professionalism, and we speak to enough people, uh, the three of us doing our job, uh, to, to to say that um, with some confidence with Marcus Rashford no he's had a really poor season and I ventured three months ago I wouldn't be stunned if he left Manchester United I'd be surprised but it will take a manager to come in and to get him back on track to scoring goals to playing in a position where where he's happy I think that Wayne Rooney spoke at the weekend when he just said, take your head out your backside and strong, wasn't it? get back to being what you can be. It was really strong and it was actually said at a private do. So we can talk about the ethics of whether that should have been in a newspaper yeah. at all. I think Wayne Rooney's become really interesting, actually. I think mean, when, he, when he first came through, I interviewed him at 16, 17, 18. It was a real struggle, really, really difficult to get anything out of him. And he's become very interesting and worth listening to as he's matured. And I think th- th- those quotes getting leaked are probably not a coincidence where he's putting his name forward to be a future Manchester United manager. But he's, he's saying what a, a lot of United fans would say in the pub before a game. Get your head out your arse and, and crack on. Of course, it's a slight against Marcus Rashford and Marcus will have his own reasons for his dip in form but United fans are a little bit tired of him at the moment I'd love him to come good I'd love him to start scoring lots of goals again start assisting again and start looking like he's enjoying his football but I'm not going to lie and say that that's been the case this season because he hasn't. He gets praised when he does well and he'll get criticised when he doesn't. And he hasn't done well this year.
2: Yeah, we went into it in depth, didn't we, uh, a few podcasts ago when Karl Anker was on as well, who of course knows Marcus well from doing the books together too. That was a must-listen for me on Marcus Rashford and his situation at Manchester United. So go back and have a look at that if you didn't listen to that particular one. Move it on to Jaden Sancho, Laurie, because if we're going to be positive on Alanga, negative on Rashford... We've got to be positive on Sancho, haven't we? Because he's blossoming week by week, it seems, in a Manchester United shirt.
3: I think so, yeah. And it's when we reflect back on his start to the season, there was questions, wasn't there? There was doubt about the money that United had spent, the switch from the Bundesliga to the Premier League. But we're seeing the signs now, aren't we, about a technical player with creativity, with ingenuity, um, that bit of variance that you need at the top, top level to score goals, to create chances... Um, I think he was probably the brightest player against Atletico in terms of trying to do things um, on the ball. Um, and he's had a few good games in succession at that. So it's not a sort of flash in the pan um. Clearly very young, so you've got years to to kind of get yourself ingrained into Manchester United and, and, and properly up to speed with, with Premier League and Champions League football because I think that was a, a bit of a shock to the system for him. He had a little bit of an injury, and had an ear infection, so there's, there, there was reasons for that sort of slow start that he had. But you do hope that as he gets more familiar with his teammates and United perhaps settles down into a, a consistent style of play that we'll see the very best of James Sancho. Because I do think when he's... The stuff that he's done on the pitch has you know, wowed me um, at times, so hopefully he can kind of do that more frequently.
4: He did almost nothing in the first half of the season, partly because of the reasons Laurie said, but he's, he's come really good. I absolutely think he's got a bright future at Manchester United. He's still only 22 years old. Someone told me something recently, which I completely believe, given the source. He was brought to play on the left. I think there was a consensus at the time that he was brought to play on the right, but the, I was told not. He was brought to play on the left and I think the fact that he can play in three different positions is to his credit, but it'll be interesting to see where he finally settles down. But I I think there's room for improvement with him. He's not yet a a world-beater, but I've been really encouraged in Jadon Sancho's form so far in this calendar year.
2: Some recent detail, actually, Laurie, in your piece. The headline is about Harry Kane moving, maybe, to Manchester United, which we'll definitely talk about in just a moment. But in that piece, detail about what United are actually looking for in this summer transfer window, and intriguingly, right wing again is one of those positions because like Andy just said I think a lot of us thought that Sancho was a solution to the right wing
3: yeah it's interesting what Andy says there in terms of that was the intention from United um, I don't know I'd, I sort of still felt that right wing was somewhere that they needed to strengthen and that's what Jadon Sancho was kind of that was the idea behind him um, and I suppose we've seen Marcus Rashford on that side occasionally um, but yeah no speaking to people the list was, you know, centre-forward, two midfielders, one defensive, one offensive. So you're th- kind of thinking um, you know, the Nemanja Matic replacement and the Paul Pogba replacement, perhaps. Uh, and then, yeah, right wing um, as well. So, you know, you think back to that summer when Jadon Sancho didn't come and there was Ahmad Diallo, there was Facundo Pellistri, who, listen, might still uh, come good. But I certainly think Ahmad, you know, you look at what his performances have been like for Rangers or, or getting in the team at Rangers, he's finding it tough. So I think he's... You know, quite a way off playing for Manchester United. So, if United feel like they need to get somebody in there on the right wing, um, then clearly, you know, Mason Greenwood's unavailability is a factor in that as well. That was a position that he often played in. Um, You know, we'll wait and see uh, what happens there. But, you know, clearly United are looking at it, thinking we need to strengthen that position of the pitch. Um, And I guess, yeah, they see Jaden Sancho on the left, which is where he's done his his good work because he likes cutting in, doesn't he? And slipping those little passes in between the lines. It plays to his strengths, you'd say. Um, But it does seem a little bit, uh, you've got to get your head around it because last summer it felt like he was that right winger that was the missing piece in the jigsaw. Yeah,
2: he was the first right winger signed by Manchester United, the first specialist in that position for the first team since Antonio Valencia, which was like 15 (laughs) years previous or something. And then it turns out he wasn't. So it's now 16 years or whatever the the number was. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Let's do let's do Bruno, Andy, before we do the striker. am just going to tease it one last time before we actually talk about that exciting piece of transfer news, which will have the junkies buzzing, I'm sure. Um Bruno Fernandez is getting a new contract, it seems, for United. Is that the right decision?
4: I think it is. I think on his days one of the best players in the Premier League is another who's not had a good season. He's been too whingy. And you might whinge when you're playing in a side which is failing, a side when you probably felt you're going to challenge for the title. It's his first season in Manchester where life has been relatively normal because he moved, if you remember, just at the outset of, of the lockdown and that was very difficult for his family. But he's 27 years old. He should be in his absolute prime. And I think that he could be one of the players to affect real change around Manchester United. He, had, he made such a, a huge impact when he arrived in, in the January. Within first few minutes of that first game against Wolves, he made a difference. So we want Bruno back to his best. At one point, I thought that his combinations with Paul Pogba, I thought that's the future of Manchester United. There was an away game at Brighton where they were outstanding uh, together. But I, I, I feel like less and less now. But I think Bruno is popular. I think he likes being at United. I think there's times when he's definitely had some points of frustration, which is natural. You'd be worried when you, if a player wasn't frustrated given how poorly United have been this season.
2: Let's do it. Laurie, are Manchester United going to sign Harry Kane? <laughs> yeah, you were right, weren't you, in terms of uh, the junkies and, and how... We've got the rest of the season to play for, yeah? They need to get in the top four and win a football match. <laughs> I, I still don't get how people get more excited about signing players and winning football matches. Anyway, I, I digress. The
4: whole thing is mental. The whole industry Let... around it is absolutely crazy.
2: Let Laurie do his hit
3: first, come on. <laughs> well, honestly, you should see my mates. If you're, if you're thinking that about your, your Twitter, I've got mates that will be texting me, you know, what who are we signing, what's happening literally the day after the transfer windows closed. So... You know, this 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 this, this affliction spreads far and wide. Um, But listen, and maybe I'm guilty of it in terms of doing this piece now. But it was just something that (laughs) something that came to me through sources in terms of, uh, and perhaps one of the key factors is, you know, what, what I've been told is that George Mendes is looking at potential replacements for Harry Kane should he leave Tottenham Hotspur. So listen, you might think, well, that's an agent. He's a super agent. He's got. Lots of different things in lots of different pies. Uh, he's got a good relationship with Tottenham, with Daniel Levy, with the sporting director at Spurs. So why, isn't, well, why wouldn't he be doing that? But equally, it's, it sort of just brings to the fore, again, this idea that Harry Kane clearly wanted to leave Tottenham last summer. Uh, Tottenham, Daniel Levy didn't entertain any offers from Manchester City. They, it looks like they're going to get Erling Haaland, or at least, you know, they're, they're certainly in talks over getting him. Um, so that leaves Harry Kane with a, you know, perhaps a decision to make, and Manchester United have had him on their list of strikers they'd love to buy at some point if they could make the money work. So let's see, you know. I mean, I, I am sceptical just because um, United, in terms of spending money, you'd think perhaps other areas would need it first. But then again, as I mentioned, you look at the strike force, and when you think back to last summer, you thought, right, well, that's the area that's actually sorted Cavani, Ronaldo, Greenwood, uh, Marshall, Rashford. Um, as it's happened you're perhaps looking at it going ronaldo's the one who is scoring the goals at the moment and it, it is a, a you know a, a deficit there uh, one of the stats that i sort of brought up in my piece on this. this is the fact that you know 2019 20 I just remember it at the time because yeah. like, i asked solsha about it and he he was loving it you know this idea that united's front three were outscoring liverpool's they were younger than liverpool's and you sort of felt okay this is they're onto something here Rashford, Greenwood and Martial scored 62 goals between them in all different competitions in 2019-20 outscored Liverpool's front three who got 57 and this season it's 12 you know for various different reasons you know clearly Martial's on loan at Sevilla Rashford's in a, a form um, dip and Green was not available, so you know there's, there's obviously reasons, but it just I mean, six, uh, 62 to 12 goals, 50 goals, you know, losing out on where you thought that was going to be a, a you know a kind of attacking unit to get behind. So that's why United have got a centre forward on their list uh, of, of targets, and and Kane, you know, would inevitably be one of them because he's he's proven time and time again he's one of the elite strikers in world football. You know, he's one of the Premier League's best ever. Um, you know, I think if United could somehow do it. I know he's at 28 turning 29 and people will look at it and go he's the wrong age profile for Manchester United but he is elite striker so I I think United should be looking at it to be honest
4: If you'd have asked me for most of my adult life should that happen I would have said something along the lines of if he wants to win trophies then you leave Tottenham don't you and you come to a club like Manchester United but you can't even say that anymore because Manchester United don't win anything whatever happens what you've just said will be reported by aggregator accounts as Harry Kane to join Manchester United on the first day of the transfer window bracket Laurie Whitwell the Athletic and when that doesn't happen within 45-45 46 seconds of the transfer window opening, you'll be called a fraud.
2: What does all this mean for the future of
3: Cristiano Ronaldo, though? Well, it depends who you speak to, but I, I think that he, you look at the Portugal situation, you know, if, if that, to be at the World Cup, we're recording this before their, you know, um, play-off final against North Macedonia, but you'd think they, they'd get through. Um, the idea is that you'd want a steady club situation um, to be at his best for that tournament in November. So therefore, stating Manchester United, I think that's the way it feels like. There were some rumours, I suppose, amongst the squad as to whether he would stick around if United weren't in the Champions League. Um, it does look like that's a diminishing possibility, but you never know how this season might finish. Um, but I, you know, listen, you, you heard him this week, didn't you? He he will decide. So I think it's um, it will be an interesting one. You know, whoever the new manager is, how do they get Cristiano Ronaldo into the team they want? Do they have to have a conversation with him first and sort of suss out? each other I suppose Um, but no the kind of idea of those at the moment is that he would stay on. Cavani's gone Andy
2: hasn't he?
4: It's looking like it I think he was going last year he wanted to go United persuaded him to stay that was greeted warmly but this season hasn't worked out for him he's not played anywhere near enough games he's not had the impact and we've seen how good he can be in certain matches best one away at Tottenham but if he keeps ruling himself out of matches which i don't think he does intentionally i don't think he wants to be injured but it's no it's of no use to manchester united at all and when you consider his age and the pretty reliable stories about him wanting to move on then i'd be very surprised if he if he um, play for Manchester United next season
2: okay let's move it on to your questions then as promised we put a message out eventually on the real-time section of the athletic app lots of responses to it so thank you so much for all of those unfortunately we can only read out the best of them but it's always brilliant when we get a response like we did to Laurie's post so uh, Vincent first up we mentioned Pogba there so let's start with that will Pogba be leaving Laurie is it simple to just say yes and move on
3: I mean, it certainly looks that way, doesn't it? I mean, it's been kind of gradually perhaps moving towards this point. I know people had already said, he's definitely leaving. Of course, he's not signing new contracts. He's 100% leaving. But, you know, I don't know what Andy thinks, but I never, from speaking to people, got that absolute guarantee. And it's still, you know, something that's, to what Paul Pogba was saying publicly, a little bit up in the air. You know, you'll look at it once the season's finished. Um, But I don't get a sense at the moment that there's, you know, a, a massive push to get him to re-sign, you know, the, the offer on the table has been there for quite a while, um, you know, so I think that's where we're at really. I think we'll probably do something in depth on Paul Popper, in, you know, soon enough because he's obviously had his international break where he said some um, quite honest things, quite interesting things. He's had the burglar at his house and I do wonder if that, you know, plays a part in any decision that he has. It kind of can be quite unsettling, that can't it, particularly the way you described it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I... I If I'm a betting man, I'd say he leaves Manchester United, but I don't think it's absolutely 100% guaranteed.
2: Andy, before you you give your take on it, Manveh said if he does leave, would United look for a a light-for-light replacement? He's got his eye on Yuri Tielemans of Leicester, which he reckons United would be able to do for about £40 million and he's only 24. Would he be an option?
4: I'm not making that decision. This has just been entirely speculative the people making the decision will be the scouts at manchester united the analysts at manchester united and the new manager at manchester united because there hasn't been any news on this but manchester united are actually looking for a new manager and are he'll they? he'll be in charge for next year honestly because the um, the the one they've got in at the moment is an interim manager oh, which really? means he's going <laughs> to finish it yeah he's he's going to finish at the end of this season so united need to bring a new manager in and, and he might have some say whether United sign Yuri um, Telemans. Um, uh, uh, that Teel- guy. Te- go on. Let, te- that Telemans. guy from Leicester. Telemans. Yuri Telemans. <laughs> You've got to keep this in the podcast. I don't care and make a fool out of myself because <laughs> I cannot pronounce Yuri Telemans. Is that all right?
2: Yeah, you got there eventually. I mean, United, hunting for new manager. Surely we need the opinion of Gary Neville, Paul Scholes, Nicky Butt, Roy Keane. Uh, and and Louis van Gaal and and anyone else really who who might have an opinion on it every day on repeat Um, or perhaps not right um, another issue that's been brought up in the questions from fans at home um, has been in line with your piece really about Harry Kane Laurie to be fair Um, Neil has said on the back of the recent piece regarding Kane are United also targeting Declan Rice it seems unlikely that United could do both deals in one summer, a lot of people messaging along these same sort of lines. Um, David O thought that the Kane story was an early April fool, so I'm guessing he's not a transfer junkie. <laughs> um, do you think there's, there's there's logic to that, Laurie, that, that both of those couldn't be done in one summer or given the players that could be leaving Manchester United, is there going to be enough budget about?
3: No, I think it's a very fair question. I mean, look at United spend over the past few seasons. I mean, last summer was actually quite a big spend you know net, net terms by you know United standards, um, I guess, what was it, like 130, 140? And and that was done because they could pay in instalments, you know, Borussia Dortmund and Real Madrid getting the chunk of money for Sancho and Varane over a number of years. Um, so it depends whether, I suppose, the clubs that Manchester United try and do deals with were open to that. Um, but yeah, no, I couldn't see really United getting, you know, say Kane, 100 odd million, Rice, they're about 150 million, which I just think is not realistic really I mean I think he's a fantastic player but you know and I think he would actually slot into United's team and squad and midfield he's got a good personality about him as much as anything Um but I don't think for that kind of money United would entertain it so um yeah I think they're sort of valid
4: questions that readers have I think United will have a, a budget and I think United will have to raise some money from outgoing sales uh, either by transfer fees or getting players off, off the wage bill but I do not sense at all that we'll be seeing ridiculously priced players coming in which leaves me to caution against Declan Rice someone the club definitely like but someone who West Ham do not need to sell
2: yeah do you think that the structure and the changing structure Andy will lead United to be better sellers because I think Laurie's written about it in the past looking at how many sort of how many players United have sold for, for big money or even for little money in recent years. There's, there's not been a brilliant resale of of talent in terms of generating money for the first team. And a point as well that that Henry picks up on now, the the, the change in, in recruitment structure, does that give optimism that the problems that the team have will be properly targeted, Andy?
4: Well, f- from your first point, it all comes from success. If Manchester United are finishing fifth and sixth, then the players are hardly going to be courted as highly as if Manchester United were winning the league and winning the Champions League. So you've continually had a problem with United players who are paid among the highest in world football. Clubs can't afford them. And if you're looking at Paul Pogba on, on his days, fantastic, he's a world-class player. But there's a reason why he's missing from all these Ballon d'Or awards is because he's playing in, the, in a failing team. If, if you wanted to say now the most desirable players in world football to buy... Manchester United players will be way down on the list. So look at Anthony Martial. If United were to sell Anthony Martial, the idealised way of looking at it is to say, he's approaching his prime now, he's young, he's been at this club. But then you look at the reality of someone who's not been playing well at all. And that would definitely suppress the price which... Uh, clubs are willing to pay we also don't know what the transfer market's going to be like this year there's been a merry-go-round in recent years where clubs have waited and waited you've had clubs coming in with an influx of money altering the market as well you'll have some clubs waiting to sell a player which they can then then move on so in terms of the the recruitment and the structure it, it's it's still taking shape now it's and a, and a new manager will play a big part of that and I am told that prospective players who Manchester United have already courted are saying, yeah, I'm absolutely interested in in playing for Manchester United, but who's going to be the manager? And that's a legitimate question as well.
2: Big question, isn't it? One that needs answering, certainly if players are going to commit their futures to the club to know what direction the team's going to go in. Um, speaking of the future, JL has made a great point here. He's listed quite a few players here. So Alanga, Ahmad, Hannibal, Shurety, Ray, Palestri, McNeil, Ganacho. What would you guys give out of 10 for prospect potential? I think that is going to take a long time. So what I'm going to do is simplify it, if that's okay, Joe. I hope you don't mind. Who excites you the most out of that list, Laurie?
3: It's tough to say, and maybe this is recency bias, but Alejandro Garnaccio, every time I've seen him, he does something. And listen, he's, he's definitely not the complete package, there's certain aspects to his game. You know, he can be perhaps peripheral in matches and... and, uh, Needs to work on his
2: goal celebrations as well, I think.
3: (laughs) Well, and also, I mean, he can get tips from a certain Lionel Messi over in Argentina, which he's been away with this international break, which is quite a a statement, really, to be in the senior side. I mean, I guess there's a bit of uh, a sort of a battle going on, isn't there, for his nationality, given he can also qualify for Spain. um, So perhaps the Argentines are getting in there early. But at the same time, you know, it's still... You know, for the fact of calling him up and being around it and, and seeing it, that'll do him the world a good, you think. As long as he c- it keeps his, you know, feet on the ground, it doesn't go to his head or anything like that. But I just think that I've seen him every time I've seen him basically he's done something. And even when he's playing for the twenty threes, you know, uh, which is obviously, you know, six years above his um, current um, age group, then he's, he's continues to impress. Um, Hannibal Mejbri is the obvious other one as well that I think I, you know I really like the look of, but perhaps he's not kicked on as much as expected this season. But I think he's had, there's been reasons for that. So, but yeah, there's there's a couple there certainly.
4: Continuing with those names, I think Palestre he's played ten minutes of first team football in the league in this calendar year. He's been on the bench all the time for Alaves. So. You've got to say that's not been a successful loan move looking at it now. He's still young, he's only 20, but he needs to be playing regular football and that's not been happening. So I can't see him coming back into play for Manchester United's first team next year. If he'd been an absolute standout for Alaves and Alaves had finished eighth, then we'd be looking at it very different. I'm mad at Rangers, we touched on it before as well. Um, He's not had the best time. So I'm, I'm a with Laurie, Garnaccio is the man who people are talking about. When he was called up by Argentina, an Argentina squad full of complete world-class players, uh, that raised eyebrows, but he's done really well when he's played for Manchester United. I, I don't think he's ready for the first team just yet, but a manager who knows far more than I do about football might look at him and go, you know what, he's got what it takes. And football's full of... Uh, cases like that where managers have bloodied young players and they've been a success.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right.
2: Okay before we go then we need to hear from our now Africa correspondent Karl Anker, who's over there covering uh, is on a magical mystery tour it seems covering the World Cup qualifier playoffs uh, for the African region some huge matchups between some of the biggest nations on the continent, going head-to-head for a place at the World Cup. It's as dramatic as it gets. And not only that, he's managed to squeeze in speaking to a few listeners to our very own podcast. Here's Carl.
1: Hello, Talk of the Devils listeners. This is Carl Anker reporting in from a hotel room in Abuja, the capital city of Nigeria. Uh, I've spent much of the international break covering African football. So I've been in Accra, the capital city of Ghana, Kumasi, where... Ghana play their first leg against Nigeria in the World Cup playoffs. Uh, and now I'm in Abuja when Nigeria will play Ghana in the second leg. Uh, and it's winner-take-all. Away goals count. Uh, and the winner goes to the World Cup. It's really, really fun out here. It's probably the biggest or maybe second biggest footballing rivalry in African football. It's that and Egypt versus Algeria. Uh, and I just want to say thanks to Talk of Devils listeners and Manchester United fans. I've bumped into in this journey, um, I I want to say Ghana is very much still a Manchester United territory. I have seen some PSG shirts, I've seen some Chelsea shirts, uh, and I've seen a lot of Ajax shirts. Probably because the the new Bob Marley kit carries all cars African, of Africans of the Ghanaian flag. But uh, yeah, it's still very much uh, Manchester United territory. Bumped into some Talk of the Devils listeners when I was out in Kumasi and had a photograph, so I just want to say hello to you as well. also want to say hello to a Manchester United fan called Sheriff, who had a great chat with me in a crowd. Uh, asked loads of questions as to who we think the next Manchester United manager is going to be. And I sort of went, well, I don't know. Uh, And also voiced his concern about the attacking and whether or not Manchester United are going to score. I also want to say that Nigerian fans, also, a lot of chat about Manchester United, one of the airport attendants I was talking to, who said he wasn't going to support Nigeria, but was in fact going to support Germany, because at least Germany win. Uh, When he realised what my job was, he essentially went, oh, you cover United. When are we going to start scoring again? Every single season, we keep trying to buy a striker and we're not going to do it this year. Who are we going to try and buy I said, isn't the big thing this summer about trying to buy a manager? He goes, yeah, I suppose it's always difficult. So I want to say hello to everyone out there. Uh, I want to say hello to everyone listening. Uh, thanks for listening. And hopefully I'll see you soon. Take care.
2: Yeah, we'll have Carl back on the podcast, of course, very soon when he returns from his journey. Uh, that security guard will be happy reading Harry Kane to Manchester United stories emanated from Laurie Whitwell and some aggregator accounts very soon. I'm sure. Um, Nigeria, Ghana, Senegal, Egypt, Algeria, Cameroon. Now, that's just three of the the playoffs that are are taking place later in Africa. Um, It's good to know that Manchester United still own Ghana then, Andy, isn't it?
4: It's great. I'm very envious listening to Carl there. I'd love to be at those games and visit those countries. And it's far more exciting than the race for fourth, which is we're going to have drummed into us for the last nine games of the season or or whatever it is. Um, Great to hear, Carl enjoying it and I sometimes wonder of Manchester United's popularity I mean United hugely popular in certain parts of, of Africa and I've been to places like South Africa I've, I've seen it for myself we all get a lot of feedback from countries like Nigeria and Ghana and we see television images where we see Manchester United shirts and it's fantastic stay with us won't always be this bad <laughs>
2: Yeah, there is a bit of that, isn't there? Um, We thought in Europe we were getting our own heavyweight qualifier playoff game, didn't we, Laurie? When we thought that Italy would come up against Cristiano Ronaldo, Diogo de and Bruno Fernandes' Portugal. um, But North Macedonia spoiled the party, so it's Portugal against North Macedonia later. Got a feeling Ronaldo and Bruno and Diogo will be feeling a little bit more confident about getting to the World Cup now, maybe. You'd think so, wouldn't
3: you? I mean, if they can't get past North Macedonia, no disrespect to North Macedonia, but you, you know they don't deserve to be at the World Cup, do they? Famous last words. I know. Uh, well, Tim Spurs is over there, I think, for us, for the Athletic and he wrote a good piece after the first game that Portugal were involved in where Ronaldo didn't actually do anything in attacking sense but he certainly told the goalkeeper which way uh, Yilmaz was going to Send his penalty. I mean, in the end, he didn't actually need to save it, but he was, you know, telling him where it actually went. So from the halfway line, and kind of di- directing him. So clearly, that you know, the, the manner that he has played for for United in these big games this season, that's still what he's doing with Portugal. He's feeling it with every ounce of his, you know, um, being, I suppose. Um, and yeah, you'd, th- you'd think that he's going to will that team on. And it's good to see Diogo Dalot get, you know, a good run out as well for Portugal. he's you know, starting the games because Jao can tell us available so um, yeah plenty of United reasons to be watching that game
2: yeah and Andy Ronaldo was sort of taking a a leaf out of your butt wasn't he trying to whip up the crowd ahead of this match it was a rallying cry similar to Andy before Atletico wasn't it I hope that the uh, Portugal fans last a bit longer than the 20 minutes that our lot did sometimes
4: it's necessary and for someone like him to say it sometimes fans take for granted that the players are going to turn up it doesn't always uh, happen like that and We've seen Italy go out of this competition. There can be major, major shocks. So I don't blame him for doing it. And if you're looking at fan culture uh, in Portugal, there's some really strong fan culture at some of the, some of the biggest clubs. But I've seen the Portuguese national team, and it's nowhere near. The fans are nowhere near as lively as uh, the fans of other um, national uh, teams. So good on Ronaldo for saying that. I hope um, I hope is vindicated by by what happens.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's a big night ahead and a big couple of days ahead for Manchester United's players on international duty. We'll reflect on the results and any stories that come from them on the podcast on Thursday. The good news is that Raphael Varane was injured, but he's now not injured. So Manchester United fans can breathe a sigh of relief on that one. Don't forget, you can subscribe to The Athletic for just £1 a month. This is a deal for new subscribers. Go to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod. That's £1 a month for the first six months on a new subscription. But Laurie, Andy, thank you very much for doing this with us. As always, thank you guys for listening at home. We'll be back on Thursday. See you on the next one. Bye-bye. the Athletic.